silence or what start right now just decide right now welcome back everybody to your favorite podcast with your favorite people talking about their favorite author <laughs> my name is charlotte and welcome to don't drink the tea who else do we have with us today my name is josh and i'm the pretzel boy <laughs> always a surprise in store. So today we are discussing a book by Agatha Christie. I know, shocker. And time for something different? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and again, we are on Zoom. So if there is a delay or I interrupt Josh or we apologize. There's no recording of my voice whatsoever, and it's just Zach eating pretzels. It wasn't a mistake. For the first 10 minutes. Everyone will understand. <laughs> so maybe we'll be discussing Agatha Christie's novel entitled N or M. Alternately known as Norm. Norm. <laughs> I wish. I wish this was Norm. Yeah. It's funny that this book doesn't have any um, alternative titles. Yeah, it's one of the few that's just, I mean, neither did, neither did Evil Under the Sun, but. That's true. Oh, no, it does. No, it's Holiday for Murder, I forgot. So oh. This, this is one of the few that's just one title, which, I mean, it makes sense. I, I wouldn't call this anything else, but you would think the Americans would try to mess that up, but. Right, um, because it's just, it's it's bizarre. It's an odd choice. Any of the Tommy or Tuppences have alternate names secret adversary doesn't no i don't think they do uh yeah by the pricking of my thumbs nrm partners in crime and posture of fate they're all they're all that so and the tommy and tuppets yeah they're not as well known as her other famous yeah. detectives like Poirot and mar and uh, mrs marple but i'm really excited that we have another tommy and tuppence because i like their characters and i like what they bring out in christy when she writes because she gets to explore some different territories. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, Josh, do you want to tell us what this book is about, roughly, shortly, briefly? So this book is about uh, Tommy and Tuppence are now, and eh, they're closer to middle age now. Tommy and Tuppence are aging in real time. I, yeah, I think, um, I think that at one point Tommy says that he's 46. Yeah. And Tuppence never says how old she is. Right. So it's World War II. And uh, I don't think they've really done a, something like what they did in Secret Adversary or Partners in Crime. Hold on, Zach's feeding me a pretzel. I don't need any more of those, thank you. Are, are you those like, it? are those chocolate covered pretzels or something yeah. or like? Yeah. Chocolatey pretzels. Oh, never trust anything that says chocolate E because that means it's not real chocolate. Never trust anything that says 7-Eleven brand. <laughs> that <laughs> too. Have, okay, I would buy, I would go to 7-Eleven and they would have Reese's brand chocolate covered pretzels mm. and those were fire yeah. and i've been looking for them and i can't find them because they replaced them with 7-eleven brand chocolatey pretzels and you know yeah. what i don't care if it's not real chocolate it's the first time i've opened the bag first time i've tried them and gotta say they're a little underwhelming <laughs> <laughs> so the book reese's about, ones sound really good 
Yeah, they do. I'd like to have them sometimes. <laughs> oh, I can't find them. Maybe we can put them at Walmart. All right. Reese's, if you're listening, we would love for you to be our sponsor. Bring it back to 7 Eleven. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, in Zach's hometown area. <laughs> okay, um, so NRM. The book is about uh, Tommy and Tuppets now. Uh, a, a, a guy comes to Tommy and says, You know, I've got a job for you. Um, he's kind of beating around the bush. So Tuppets is like, Oh, let me go out of the room. He's like, Okay, I'm glad your wife left, but it's super top secret. You have to go to this hotel because we know that like Hitler's top secret agents who are like on this side and are feeding him information are in this country. We had a lead and we know that one or both of them are staying at this hotel and we need you to go undercover, but you cannot tell your wife whatsoever. So Tommy agrees to do it. And when he gets there under this cover of Mr. Meadows, he finds Tuppence also there because she had been listening from the other room as uh, Mrs. Blankensop. Yes, Mrs. Blankensop. So both of them now, they are kind of working together, but we get to see them go through this small cast of characters in this hotel to try to find out which one of them is the secret agent uh and yeah that's the plot yeah so you're that is the yep the rough plot um a couple of interesting things just to add to that before we talk about you know the in- intricacies is that it, the book opens up with both of them were trying to get jobs supporting yeah. the war effort and they both were trying to get jobs in intelligence um, because they had worked with the Secret Service. Um, so what was the last book we read with them? Partners in Crime, right? Crime. Right. So that's when they kind of started their own, right. They started their own agency, their own detective agency, but it ended up being like a cover for them trying to uncover a ring of spies, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now they're in their 40s. They have grown children who are working in secret jobs um and they offer themselves to to do any type of intelligent work intelligence work and they keep getting told no and so they're they're kind of disappointed tuppence in particular is pretty salty about it yeah, <laughs> right. yeah but then they get they get this opportunity mm-hmm. yeah and so it's it this one i thought was really interesting because because it was written while all of this was going on exactly. so I thought I had read this this book before and I'm pretty sure that I did but I remember so little of it mm-hmm. and I was shocked by almost everything <laughs> oh, <laughs> but nice. that that's nothing that's nothing new for me because I forget literally everything like sometimes I don't know how I find my way home at night I really don't it's like is this, wow. this road looks familiar I've only lived here for 30 some years but <laughs> but um yeah so I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, I yeah. really enjoyed this book way more than I expected to. And if I've ever read it before, I, I enjoyed it way more this time. Right. Um, and this to me, just, just throwing it out there, this to me feels like a wonderful little gem of a Christie mm-hmm. that so few people know about. Yes. It was, you agree? Yes. <laughs> I was so afraid that we were going to be at odds me on this too. one. I thought you were going to dislike <laughs> it because um, when you're done, I, I my experience is almost the same. Okay, so so this is just a couple of things that I loved about it. I loved that it it was full flavor of of the moment. It it was it was written in 1941. You can tell, and I feel like everything that she wrote, the way everyone felt, the way everyone reacted, was so 
real. It came right from everything that she was living through and experiencing, but never, ever, ever came across as preachy. Mm -hmm. And another thing that, one of the things that people complain about with Christy, like comes up again and again, that really bothers me because I feel like they've, anyone who complains about this has never read this book that, you know, that she had a lot of this, the, the typical British prejudices and that they come through in her books and that she was narrow-minded. And it's like, how could you feel that when you read this book? Cause she did such a good job of presenting all sides of the issue again, without feeling or sounding preachy, it was just natural and, uh, and in the moment of what they were living through. And I think it's a wonderful picture of what, of what, you know, rural England had to have been like in 1941. Exactly. And there's, there's lots of other things I like about it, but your turn. This is one of the first that I've read. I remember uh, I read the, a few that you had given me like three or four. And I went, when I went to the store to get my own, I got the hollow as the first one. And then NRM was the second one I got. And I literally took a stack of Christie's books, showed one of my friends and said, which one should I get? And they said, I like that title. And this is the one I got. And I knew nothing about Tommy or Tuppence. And it was not you. <laughs> you have other friends? I, we're not really friends anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so it, I remember reading it back then and it just not really clicking because I didn't know anything about Tommy or Tuppence. And I don't think I was old enough to truly understand the depth of this book. Yeah. But reading it this time, I remember the twist because I think the twist in this is very underrated. The yes. twist is excellent. Yep. And reading it this time, I like Tommy and Tuppence, uh, but you know, it's her thriller stuff. They're the best of the thrillers, I think, but they're light. And like I read a, a review of this, a, a contemporary review with that said something like, you know, the plot can be shaky at times, but it's a thriller and that goes with the genre. And which is, you can ignore some of that, but of all of her thrillers, this has the tightest plot. I was going to say, that's exactly right. Yeah. It, all spy thrillers have some, some weird things that that goes with the genre. You have to kind of go out on a limb with some, some unbelievable things, but James Bondy stuff. (laughs) Yeah. But it was, it was really tight. It was very tightly written. I think that's because it's like the perfect marriage between her thriller side and her murder mystery side, because this book yeah. is a little, you know, it's like the little, they have the secluded hotel. It has a very good cast of characters. Yep. But, oh boy, Zach texted me, I already yet. But uh, <laughs> that's why I with an email. It's chat, but it's like the Gmail app. Oh, you don't have the <laughs> I do, I have both. So it'll like notify me one or the other sometimes. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just just share it with us zach unless it's like hey it i've got it all makes it'll only make sense to you but not the audience <laughs> Someone, it's just such a, it's an old farmer that we know it's a stupid joke okay but yeah it's a perfect marriage between those two and i love it because you know i love a, i love her murder mysteries i'm not crazy about the thrillers but this one took all of the elements of both sides and it it's just a perfect union of the two yeah and uh, for the fact that it's a thriller, the characters are pretty well developed. And like, I read, <laughs> I read it. Oh my goodness, he's really acting up. <laughs> no, he took it. <laughs> why does why does Zach need so much attention right now? <laughs> I know he's like the cat. Like he's gonna knock over the book and <laughs> scratch me. <laughs> 
but yeah, I, I felt the same way you did. Like it, it, I was shocked at how much I liked this book. And like, I, I got done and I, I actually liked it better than Evil Under the Sun. And I was like, is this my new favorite Christie book? Which would go far, but it's like, it's shocking at how, even at even the reviews at the time, usually people poo-poo or thrillers a lot. But with this one, they were like, no, this is good. Yeah. I was I, I was thinking that I was like I, I liked it way better than I did Evil Under the Sun and I was like why am I not recommending this to people to read this yeah, is for that. a Christie it's excellent for just for a spy novel it's excellent yeah. for a character study of middle age it's excellent right. like you could recommend this book to yeah to a 19 year old or to you know a 60 year old I love the depth of it I, 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 you're probably about to get into that, but not only is it exploring the fact that they're middle-aged and, you know, they're trying to get the work and they, they're like, they want to be that same youthful couple that they were, but they're just not. And it explores that so well, but also, you know, they want to get into this adventure and they get there, they're undercover. And I love the little moments that they're like, this isn't fun. Why aren't we having fun? Why isn't this like as a of adventure as, as it is the last time? And they're like, this is because this is the second world war. And yeah, they don't, yeah. Say, they don't say that obviously but like I can't believe we're doing this again yeah and it's like it it hits them so because you know secret adversary it, it makes light of things because it's an adventure story but this one because I think she was living through it and was she was one of the few authors that would go home and write every day and experience it she was like you said mm -hmm. she was writing this is how we feel right now yeah this is a fun adventure book but you cannot run from the fact that this is horrible what is happening is a nightmare yeah, it was very poignant. And again, it told very subtly and never um, yeah. <laughs> just both like laughing. I, Josh just looked at me and was like, what is he about to do? I was just waiting for him to say something about poignant. <laughs> oh, I didn't have, I wasn't listening. Okay, okay. <laughs> and also what you said earlier about it won't make any sense to the our listeners. Half of every episode doesn't make any sense to our listeners. And no. yet they're still here. Yeah, we love like, them for it, but hanging out with us is just like listening to everybody says it's like we have a language that no one else speaks. So <laughs> it's true, it's true, but yeah, that it was, I it it felt almost like like it, you could be also almost like a history lesson as well mm -hmm. about how people felt and what they were going through. And you're right. They were a little bit more careworn um, and, but they still tried to have fun and to, mm -hmm. to keep it light. And I like the dynamic of Tommy and Tuppet so much anyway, yeah. and even more so now that they've gotten older because it felt some of the stuff they did when they were younger felt kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. And then now that they get older, still the stuff that they do you give them a little bit more license to do like it's like well okay but still they they do some ridiculous things but but i love them for it and i love them together and i i love how much they love each other too great yeah it's it's nice to, and it uh you know they have like their disagreements but like that it's a positive you don't get a lot of married couples in books that are like a positive representation of what marriage is and no and i felt like when i when i read this i was like now i understand why i'm still single because i i don't want any relationship unless it's exactly like what tommy and tuppence have <laughs> you gotta, you gotta find a tommy. and i don't think that it exists so 
Well, that, but you'd have to settle for an ugly guy because Tommy, by the book, is ugly. I know. I still love him, though. And yeah, they do go on and on uh, about how I, ugly he I is. Don't, I, I hate to bring it to you, but Jason Momoa won't be playing Tommy anytime soon <laughs> in, a faithful, in a faithful version of Tommy and Tommy. I don't, you, you totally don't get my relationship with Jason Momoa. Like, I just, I, I don't think, want to. I just he's a I just think he's a great guy, but he's not yeah, like. You think Jason Momoa is a great guy? No, I think he's a real uh, meanie. <laughs> meanie. Oh my gosh! Haven't you seen the meme of him sneaking up on Henry Cavill uh, on the? <laughs> and I I've heard about his recent split up with his wife. I know that's sad. I guess it is. <laughs> I'm sad about that. <laughs> well. You know, it takes two. And and Jason Momoa's old I'm sure news. he wasn't really putting on the work. You know, <laughs> you know, you should know by now. You should know by now, but like my biggest, biggest crush, which is funny because he's a redhead like Tommy. My biggest crush in the world is Greg Davis, the Taskmaster. Like he is like, I am so in love with that man. <laughs> it's I ridiculous. That. I can understand that more than Jason Momoa. Yeah, like, I think I think you are you are restructuring his life and existence based off of how he looks, because I don't feel like he's a good guy. No, <laughs> he's a real tool. Yeah, that's sure. I mean, he was the worst part about Dune. You know, he's the worst part about Dune, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was like, homeboy, yo, don't worry, I ain't gonna die. Those wounds ain't got nothing on me. Watch this. Sorry. That's not his fault. Yes, it is. That's exactly how he plays every character. Casting. That was the casting. I don't. I. I am not in love with Jason Momoa. I would love to be his friend. Like, he would. He'd be like, you know. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Okay. Love to be his friend on a beach vacation. It's. It's like a. You know. Just be a great guy at parties. That's it. But yeah. No. He'd be the guy at. Oh. Flipping the bike. I forgot. I forgot. This. I was thinking about your love for Jason Momoa. I forgot that in Evil Under the Sun, Mrs. Gardner says, "Hey Poirot, I, I can't really forget about this." She was like, "I know you because a friend of mine told me about when she was on a case with you on the Nile." And Poirot was like, "Oh yeah, who is that?" And it's Cornelia Robson. Oh, that's right, Cornelia Robson. Told, and I like, I was like, "Oh, I've got to tell Zach about this." And Cornelia was the one who who. It connects these two books. Dang. And I, rem- I remember it because Cornelius. I was waiting for you guys to bring it up. Well, Zach hadn't read the book, so they don't mention <laughs> Cornelia, believe it or not, in the uh, movie. It's a real shame. Yeah, You're Zach- talking, I know that you guys are talking about Cornelia every single day. We do. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, back to the NRM. I'm sorry. But yeah, but I just, just um on that, and I'm sure you'll cut all of this out because you usually do when I go on a rant like this. I but. Do not. I <laughs> but if everyone i'm just putting it out there to the universe in general everyone needs to look up who greg davis is and what a crazy cool person he is and someone needs to tell him that i i love him it just needs to happen who's greg davis (laughs) all right and i just want to put out there everyone needs to look up greg proops (laughs) (laughs) what why are you doing this? Football right, player? Why are you doing it on this podcast? <laughs> well, she said to. 
I it's, can't even. I don't even have a picture that's a of. Fo- that's a football player. And that's that's not spelled the same. His his last name is spelled weird. It's D A V I E S. Oh, like Davies. Yeah, but it's Russell pronounced Davies. Davies. Is he related to Russell? <laughs> I don't think right. so. Okay, back. To, yeah, you can get, uh, back to the book. Okay. okay so where did we stop in NRM? Um, we were yeah just talking about the depth of of how it handles the war in middle age. If you want to get in a little <laughs> more about. Like, right. So, yeah. So you already did a nice job of summing up. So they both go to this boarding house along the coast. Sans souci. Sans souci. And the, um, which is, is a little bit of a, of a plot hole, I think is a little bit flimsy because the, the originally when they were given the assignment or when Tommy was given the assignment, it was like, oh, you're looking for someone who's really high up in the inner circles um, but our only lead is this sans souci and no one there is anybody that you would think of as really important. It wasn't like a vacation home for ambassadors or anything like that. It was just like no, all these normal, se- seemingly normal people who have collected mm-hmm. at this, at this place for different reasons. Um, and I, I like that this one only had one, maybe two of those disposable characters that Christy seems to have a weakness for. And I know that another reason that she does that is to keep you off guard and to keep you confused. If you have, when you pare down the cast and get it smaller and smaller, then you, your odds of just guessing who it is get, gets better. Um, But there's like a, there's an old major um, whose role, real typical British. And then there's an, yeah. And which did you see the, the, um, That's Fun true. trivia fact. Why don't you share that? So, get this, Zach. I'm getting it. Agatha Christie wrote a book about <laughs> spies that has uh, a character named Major Bletch- Bletchley in it. Who, as Tommy's undercover, he like he's really sus on Major Bletchley. Like he thinks he's the, his eyes are Zach's eyes are so manic right now. <laughs> like he's listening to this to save his life. Anyway, so she wrote this character, this guy that thinks. But uh, as it was released, MI5 saw it and they had a major bletchley who was in who was in the secret service no way and so they investigated christy because they thought she had somebody who was telling her information about spy stuff yeah because a bletchley circle was is very famous and there's a show about it um that it was of women code breakers who worked in the secret of secret jobs yeah so yeah that was pretty cool cool (laughs) And I feel like it gave her so much street cred. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool thing to get investigated because your book is so, uh, I mean, it was just an accident. Well, you say that now, but at the time where you're getting investigated by the government, scary, you're like, yeah. oh. I, th- I think Christy probably would have been like, oh, that was, that was cool. I don't think she would have <laughs> liked it because of how much of an introvert she was. She probably thought yeah. that was horrible. But it was probably cool to think that, you know, these higher ups had a copy of NRM on their desk investigating it. Did Zach just kiss his phone? No, I blew some dust off of it. So. Okay. <laughs> Gosh, I get dusty a lot, okay? <laughs> I agree with what you uh, say about the, the characters. Like, even though I wouldn't say that this book has, like, characters that really stand out, the way that the mystery is structured where, like, it literally could be any of them. I mean, because mm-hmm. they have a, a guy who is German who is, like, everybody suspects, you know, everybody's being really hateful towards him. Uh, because of the war going on and that leads to a lot of her you know sympathy for people who you know it's just because they're over there doesn't mean that they're evil right um, but since every character can have equal suspicion to the reader 
you are like fascinated by every encounter with every person. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, and they both handle it so differently, like Meadow or Tommy and Tuppence in their cover. And so even though you don't like, you're not intimate because it's everything from their perspective, but it's just like, because it, it's the way you can investigate a crime. It feels the most like I'm playing a video game or something like that, where I have to try to solve this mystery. And you mm-hmm. know these characters in the book. There's not characters you can't keep track of. There's like the lady who runs the place and her daughter. Everybody's suspicious on the mom, but the daughter is, is uh, getting friendly with the, the German guy. So they're suspicious about that. There's a couple where the old guy is like an invalid, but he's really bossy and his wife is really fussy about him. And uh, there's a... a um, a middle-aged woman with her baby a single mother with her baby who is not that great of a mother because she keeps like leaving her baby everywhere <laughs> and just like going to do a bunch of stuff yeah um, and you just you get you don't like get to know them that personally but just the way the book is structured it's like they all become great suspects and in the book like nothing gets past you about them yeah yeah and I one of the things that I, I wrote down was that I felt like this was a kind of a, a reawakening of of the eloquence that that Agatha Christie wrote with because you didn't have any of that in Evil Under the Sun. What was the one we did before that? Uh, before Evil Under the Sun, one two book my shoot. Okay, yeah, I, which was which was fine. I mean, we we talked about that one when we talked about it. <laughs> go back and listen to it again. I need to go back and listen to it again because I don't remember what we said. But the the little moments, uh, uh like a line or two that were just perfect and beautiful that you come to love about Agatha Christie, something about, something about her style that is just so good. And she never overdoes it either. It's never heavy or syrupy. It's those little punches that what make her such a great writer. Um, They have been kind of missing, I feel in the last few books, Um, but they're back in this one. And I love it. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. And and everybody gets to, like you said, it's it's a lot of perspective of just Tommy and Tuppence, but um, some of the moments that she structures are so good. Like for example, one of my favorites was um, Tuppence is, she has a suspicious mind anyway. And she goes from one person to the next convinced that they're the, the culprit. It's like, oh, definitely it's this person. And five minutes later, nope, it's definitely this person. And in this one scene, she's walking up the staircase in the boarding house and the one woman who's the innkeeper who she's suspect of is at the bottom of the stairs and this other large scary imposing irish woman who she suspicions of who she calls an ogress or uh, yes. through the little, whole thing a little rough about this lady how how unattractive she is because yeah like, yeah like, so like she has like yeah, and her, her mustache and beard and like they were really mean. But anyway, she's at the top of the stairs and the other woman is at the bottom of the stairs and Tuppence is in the middle and she has like this little mini panic attack of like feeling right. trapped on the staircase. And it's just so good and it's yeah. so real because then it passes and the moment passes and then she's like, oh, I'm just being stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was little things like that that made it feel like that's how you would actually react if you were in a situation like that and always them trying to keep up their cover all the time and the things that they did to to make sure that they stayed in character Mm -hmm. I thought were nice little insights into this is how a normal person would react to a really stressful situation like that definitely I think I agree with you about the prose it's like 
I, I love Evil Under the Sun. I liked One Two Buck on My Shoe, but they're they're they are more focused on either character or puzzles. While this one, uh, she got to show off a little bit more some like sad Cypress and even when she gets in, in the romance books, even though the plots so far haven't been that great, she shows off a little more with prose. And yeah. this one, this one, it's like she took something from all of her, some a skill from every different kind of book she wrote. Yeah. Another moment, like you talked about, I think this book has probably maybe the best, if not the best high up of her action sequences. Her action sequences don't tend to have much at stake because we kind of know how things are going to go. Like the murderer is going to get caught or, you know, you know, this person's going to die. Usually you don't go into a mystery book not knowing who the victim is. Right. But in this book, because it's a little kid, a little kid gets kidnapped mm-hmm. and they're chasing her to like a cliff. And it is, it is so well written and like them trying to chase down this, this, and it's like, it's tense. And mm-hmm. there's the moment where the kidnapper is shot by the mom it is like it is such a good action sequence and there's a lot of emotion into it and like the way Tuppence is seeing it it's really really good yeah and it it comes out of nowhere kind of because I had so there's there's a there's a a tv adaptation and I'm sure we'll talk about that um but I didn't remember what happened at all and it this is quite a ways into the book the pacing of this one is really good as well she strings you along so well there's never any dead space in this one and so there was there was a moment where tuppence is thinking to herself about the way things are going on something happened that like i think someone had been in her room like someone had gotten in through her possessions and um she was thinking about that but then she said something about um no one knew something about the way the, what was going to happen next no one knew the turn this was going to take or how bad things were going to get and then it started the sequence with the kidnapping and it was like where did that come from and yeah. that just got real <laughs> really fast yeah. because there's really no like vic- it, it isn't a, like a quote-unquote murder mystery really no. that's the only death in the whole book right right and it's not like you know because mur- you know who kills them it's not like a mystery how this, it, that, that person died like self-defense so it's like the book, it has such a simple plot of like, we have to figure out who this is and it doesn't distract you with clues or having to interview these people or a bunch of like little tidbits that you have to get in a mystery to keep it interesting. So it has time to really shock you while also just living in the moment without, you don't ever get bogged down in the details. Like it, it, it's action packed without being light. Oh yeah, it moves and it moves along so quickly. I didn't have the book. Um, so I listened to the audiobook, which was a, which was a really nice little treat. And the guy who did it, excuse me, I don't know who he is, but, um, it was Zach. (laughs) He did, he did a nice job. (laughs) Uh, Wither indeed. Goosey, that was her. (laughs) Gander was Tommy. It was, oh, this anyway. was one of my least favorite segments actually of the book. Okay, I'll go to a different part. <laughs> that was like the only part. Of, like, I didn't like the Goosey Gander segment. Seems like old times, doesn't it, madam? Said Albert, beamed happily. Though now, in his mild years. Why does everything sound years. like innuendo here? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just reading like he's reading a 12 year old diary. <laughs> Ooh, Albert. <laughs> but I think he's still crashing on tuppence. 
like omg no way <laughs> so sorry it was not it was not zach reading it sorry but um so the guy did a really good job with the accents like he did the irish woman really well and he did you can find it on youtube and i recommend listening to it it's really fun but when he, he went when he does the voice oh and uh commander haydock is a is yeah. scottish and right. he did an excellent job like i loved the character of commander haydock listening to him read it it was fantastic because I it was like it, it could have been Peter Capaldi or it could have been full on Sean Connery. Like uh, Capaldi would have been a really nice choice as well, but he was awesome. And I wish that there would be a big screen adaptation yeah. of this so that, so that some, you know, someone like Peter Capaldi could play him. That's a good, Lori could do this one. Place, but, oh, I wish he would. He'd do a really good job. Um, but uh, what were we talking about? Oh, oh, when he did the voice of the, of Mrs. Sprott, and the the little girl uh-huh. because there's the little the little kid has so much gibberish dialogue. dialogue for not saying a real word ever it was hysterical hearing this middle-aged british man play a two-year-old talking <laughs> yeah, gibberish like but when <laughs> it was so funny he did a really good job but every time he did the voice of the mother because chrissy described her as like adenoidal or like you know oh, she's got kind of like that really annoying nasally voice he did that, but he sounded, I don't know if anyone knows who this is. She, he sounded exactly like Peter Cook. Who is, is. Oh gosh, you need to look him up. He was uh, a British comedian way back in the day. Like we're talking mm-hmm. like about the time of like pre Monty Python. Like he's one of the ones who inspired Monty Python. He sounds just that the woman sounds just oh, like okay. that. Yeah, and it's yeah, really yeah. distracting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know him. Uh, from things, yeah. yeah but anyway yeah the voice was uh but other than that yeah it was very good and like the the pacing that she did like like you were saying like you don't ex- in most of her books you don't like have like tension genuine tension but this right. one had like i i have no clue what's going to happen like um when at one point tommy gets uh knocked in the head that ends a chapter him oh, yeah. him getting hit in the head it is three solid chapters before we get back to him and it was freaking me out like i was like come on i have to know what happened but yeah, it goes Thomas on with pretty chill about it <laughs> I, she's like oh he's probably fine he's he's chasing up a lead i'm not gonna worry and then you change focus again and it's some you know it, it goes to another subsection and he's forever and i was like please can we please get back to tommy i'm really worried about him yeah and it builds to a great climax at the end and like you said it's a good twist and yeah. i yeah, don't know I, I i'm happy not spoiling that one just because of how much i like the twist in this one. i i want people to read this one i really really do i feel the same way i do about murder is easy like when you read christy you know sometimes you can get a feeling of what she's gonna do because you know she loves to do the thing with the most obvious people and things like that the only people who could not have done it but with like this one in Murder is Easy, we both enjoyed it so much because she goes kind of a, away from what she usually does, but still like undeniably Christy, but a, a twist that's like very unique in the canon for both of these books. And mm-hmm. this one even more so. And like, I don't know of another book that has pulled off a twist that well, given what the book does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was excellent. And I was so happy to if if i read it once i'm happy to read it again but anyway i enjoyed it so much me too and i would really highly recommend this one (laughs) yeah 
Uh, you want to talk about the show? I think we should a little bit because did Zach no. watch it? No, no, no. no. It's too oh, okay. long. I didn't want to suggest that. Um, yeah, I'm not interested is... in watching two things. <laughs> and, and it's like almost three hours because they make it into like a you know a couple episodes. So it, it was in a, a mini series. Yeah, yeah. The B- BBC did Secret Adversary and NRM. Each one three episodes, almost an hour, so almost three hours long. And it's David Williams is Tommy. And Tuppence is, you know that actress's name? I think it's it's something like Jessica Rains. Okay. I don't know her from anything else. And but she so, looks she's kind of like a British Anne Hathaway. Yeah. And she she's pretty good. I've she's been in Doctor Who and she also played the woman who produced Doctor Who in that documentary about Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um she did a good job in that too. Um this Tommy and Tuppence show, I do not care for it uh for me it is very boring i do not like david williams as tommy he is a comedian and he's playing it so straight faced most of the time and goofy just randomly <laughs> not like a nice balance of the two i think she's fine as tuppence but honestly the best tuppence i've ever seen and i have never watched the old partners in crime show which i want to it's on brett box but i've never watched it strangely enough my favorite tuppence that's ever been on, on the screen has is the middle-aged uh leaning into alcoholism tuppence from the marple series well and- she would be she would be you 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 like the older ladies <laughs> you know, but she just i think she did a good job of capturing what the character is like mm-hmm. and just kind of like random situation that should not have worked because it was like they picked a 60s tommy and tuppence book to throw into a miss marple story and it's definitely a messy movie but or episode but i was really surprised at how well they they casted Tommy and Tuppence in that but I don't remember Tommy in that one but I remember Tuppence and she was good yeah he's not in it much because I don't think he's in by the pricking of my thumbs much that one's mostly Tuppence led uh because she goes and investigate that while he's got doing something else but I'm not crazy about either of these actors in this role she is okay but I really don't like him and they stretch the the book can't can't be three hours it's just too long and so it gets to be very boring with nrm i honestly didn't finish it i started it and i a half hour into it i told tabby that i accidentally put the wrong one on because i didn't think we were watching nrm because they added a bunch of stuff <laughs> at the beginning i mean they- yeah it 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 was um a lot of really big changes right and all at the beginning that and then about 40 minutes in you get to the hotel and it's like all of the stuff at the beginning they could have cut. And they also, they take away the punch of the twist by sort of half revealing who the characters are and changing them so much that it doesn't, it doesn't play as a mystery anymore. It's kind of like a spy adventure without any thrill whatsoever. I hated it because I loved <laughs> the book so much. I thought it was yeah. such a letdown. Yeah, it was poorly done. I feel like if you just watched that you could just watch, and I haven't seen the other one, the other three episodes, which was, what'd you say, Secret Adversary? Adversary yeah. Okay, I haven't watched those, but if you were just watching it for complete, like, escapism that you just liked the the setting, like, what is it, set in the 50s or something? If you just liked yeah, the costumes and things like that, that would be fine, but you cannot in any way relate it to the book because right. it just... It, it just wasn't, it, it was, it wasn't even close. Like I think sometimes they use the same character names, but, but I feel like that beginning, wasn't that in something, another 
one of Christie's books or that was from something famous because the way that that one begins with like they go to the theater, sit next to somebody in a box and they it's like, oh, this is Mr. Harrison. I need to get a, a message from him. And they're like taking down everything this person says, but it's the wrong Mr. Harrison. That has happened in something. It might have been in Partners in Crime. I don't know. It felt familiar. It, it has happened before. I know it has, but it didn't it wasn't in the book at all. It no, wasn't in NRM. And it doesn't work along with the plot because it's just all like stepping stones to this thing that weren't there. So they're doing this. And I knew it was, it's just to stretch it out. Yeah. And, and like you said, they changed it to the 50s. So I know they had to change it because they're making a TV show. They can't say, okay, here are Tuppets of the, Tommy Tuppets in their 20s and here are them in their 40s and here are them in their 60s. Right. They, yeah, they set everything in this, like everything happened back to back yeah. to back, and they which again is that. fine they have yeah. to do that but still it loses the depth that it gets because secret adversary is is 1920s it's her second book nrm is the 40s mm-hmm. and then by the pricking of my thumbs is the 60s imposter and the fate is the 70s so yeah. she tackles a whole different world every single time and that's yeah. why the tommy and Tuppets books work even the right. ones that are a little not as good as this one and mm-hmm. then you can't capture that in a show because that's not how a show works. You can't go <laughs> right. put them in old age makeup. Well, they could have done like they did with what, like with, was it the Queen and some of the other shows that they're doing right now where they move that. it forward and cast different actors. Like that, that could work, but obviously this was- Williams not <laughs> I mean, I liked him, but- I knew, I knew that you were going to have a problem with that. And I liked him more than I expected to. I, just, I think that, again, you can't really compare He's- it to the book. David Williams is, I mean, he's been a doctor too, but you probably know him best as Carol. Like, Compute says, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now Zach's up to speed. <laughs> it's like, oh, I like him. I thought he did a nice job be, being a little bit goofy. Like, at the beginning, when he's supposed to get this message from Harrison and they tell him, take down every word that the man says, and the man's telling this story about a shark or something it was something ridiculous and like his face when he was writing things down and like trying to get him to repeat what he said that that was it was fun and i i thought they had good chemistry together the two of them i didn't really feel that way really (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't if you compare it to the book it it was sad because the book is so good but they didn't a lot of it rides on chemistry yeah they didn't completely ruin it and i think the two of them had okay uh well i'll give you this they were they're not the middle-aged tommy and tuppets from this book like you were saying it like it was set in the 50s they're still it's young tommy and tuppets it's secret adversary tommy and tuppets Mm -hmm. for sure so that all of that um you know that that age and that experience isn't there because you know that that 20 years is missing but I guess I expected like nothing from him and the fact that he did give something, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not as disappointed as I thought I was going to be. What makes it even worse for me, and I think that I hate it a lot, is that this show was pitched by David Williams and somebody else. Really? If you're pitching a show where you're Tommy, you better have something to contribute to the character. And given that, I feel like he just, I really feels like he's phoning it. I just do not care for it. This is... I, this is worse than, you know, Mar- the Marples are famous for being the new Marples for changing so much and being really messy. This is the worst of that kind that I think I've ever seen. 
No, I, I, I don't agree. I think murder is easy is still worse than anything that's oh, murder, ever yeah, yeah. happened murder ever. Is murder is easy might be worse. Yeah. <laughs> and Nemesis is pretty bad. And there, there's a lot of them that they just I'll did have, really poorly. I'll have to check out Nemesis, but I do agree with you uh, that, that, ne- that murder is easy is probably. <laughs> it's, it's the worst thing that's ever happened ever. Um, but yeah, I, some things he did because if if anybody knows who david williams is and they know him from carol i don't know carol from little britain or oh, from yeah. hosting is it the x factor or britain's got talent or does it even matter anymore I I uh, yeah um <laughs> which is worth it for just, just to, if you could watch just like on youtube of him harassing simon cowell is pretty amazing because <laughs> simon cowell deserves it yeah. but uh, to see him play anything like not funny to play anything serious Mm -hmm. he can do it and he can do it pretty convincingly but (laughs) it's still just i i think i I like that i didn't know that he pitched the idea i I think he could do serious yeah but he's a bad actor yeah but like you said not bringing really anything new but i will say go ahead i was gonna say it's a bad it's not completely his fault i'm putting a lot of blame on him it's a bad script like the script yeah. is very boring and it doesn't really explore them as characters. It's just kind of like, oh, they're adventurary. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you going to do with a bad script? Right. Yeah, that that was part of it. And not so much like the dialogue was bad or anything like that, but like the stuff that they added in, because like in in they tried to make it too sensationalist and the book yeah. was not. The book was a straightforward, what would real people do in a real this real life situation? Mm-hmm. Whereas in in the in the um, miniseries, it's like an atomic scientist has been kidnapped, and um, which I will say this part that I really really liked because I thought it was so fun and it was different, and no one ever does this. They they like it starts out at the very beginning. Um, the atomic scientist is kidnapped and they spend the whole three hours searching for him in the final episode they find him and he has such a bad attitude did you watch it all the way through no i didn't watch past the first episode I was like, okay okay so they find him at the end in the third episode they find the scientist and he's being held and he's been drugged and he hasn't eaten for a couple days right. and they rescue him and all he does is complain about everything and that part was really good and maybe you would have liked david williams a little bit more if you watched the rest of them yeah maybe um because he does he does give more as it goes on as the stakes get higher and to be fair i actually have i i didn't think to say this i have seen this before i watched all of the tommy and tuppence series which is just these six because it got oh okay everyone hated it i watched it when it first came out okay i don't remember feeling that strongly because i think i didn't really have a lot of affection for either of the books yeah Um, but watching it after i read or in a ram and being so enamored by it yeah i thought like <laughs> wow this is a heap of garbage but yeah yeah like just as pure escapism yeah, it was you, yeah they they it's really unfair for them to share the same name because you really can't compare them in any way right they just don't go they're two separate animals you can't compare them to each other but but yeah i really enjoyed the scientist being like the just the absolute worst rescued person ever he all he did was complain about the way they rescued him why they didn't leave him a little bit longer Mm. he just was awful and so rude and that was really fun Mm. um because that was unusual you weren't expecting that at all and that that was that was cute but um yeah it was it, it i would recommend people 
read the book don't watch the series get the show you can skip all yeah because so, if you read the book f- first and then try to <laughs> sorry if you read the book first and then try to watch the show then you're going to be really disappointed if you watch the show first and try to read the book you're just going to be confused exactly because they're not even like the same <laughs> yeah zach is so zoned out so where do you want to rank uh-huh. it? the book Oh my gosh, like it, it's it's a four at the very least, if not higher. Yeah, I felt I rated it again. I always say my Goodreads because that's like my instant as soon as I finish it without any. So I read it, I rated it four stars, but I could go up to four and a half. It's not quite a five, you know, there might be like little beats here and there, and it's not iconic and it's like, yeah. you know, but I am perfectly comfortable with five and a half or four and a half. <laughs> five and a half. <laughs> four and a half yes sorry four and a half book we have is uh and so this is the this is the i mean murder's easy surprise me but this is the biggest surprise i think of what we've had so far is that this is so high so the only four and a half that we have is murder at the vicarage is it better than murder at the vicarage that's the only thing we have to decide with without being sentimental in any way because it's the first marple and you know something that she was famous for i I think it is better i agree or at least tied i love murder at the vicarage but it's not my favorite marble and no and it's very very straightforward and not like it doesn't have a lot of um punch to it so that puts n or m at number seven in our official ranking number seven of 37 and that it is now the number one Tommy and Tuppence that we've read, which is NRM Secret Adversary and Partners of Crime. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Yes, it is. I love getting a surprise like that. The next book, which I don't think I'm going to be surprised about because I've had every, I've had the same reaction every time I've read it, which has been good, spoilers, is The Body in the Library. We're finally back to Miss Marple. Oh, I don't, re- I don't think I've ever read this one. Oh, nice. We have got a really good, I mean, the fact that Evil Under the Sun is so acclaimed and then we had NRM, which was great. The lineup that we have right now is Evil Under the Sun, NRM, The Body in the Library, Five Little Pigs, The Moving Finger, Death Comes at the End. That wow. Is, that is, and that's just the first half of the 40s. To have yeah. that many bangers in a row. <laughs> she's like Maroon 5. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. That's the worst comparison ever. <laughs> I'm going to check on my tablet while you listen to these messages. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit our website and buy some Don't Drink the Tea merch or click the link in the description to send a small donation to help sustain future episodes. Thank you. You know I hate to interrupt Zach, but I just need to address our audience really quick. Chances are you probably don't start every morning by rubbing beef fat all over your body, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Fatco creates tallow-based cosmetics, and their paleo philosophy looks to the past to discover the secrets of healthy living. To them, returning to the roots of beauty remedies with ingredients like pressed plant oils and animal fats feels natural. Their tallow is derived from the kidney fat, or suet, of grass-fed, pasture-raised cows. 
For centuries, humans used tallow and skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately that went out of style around the time that society decided animal fats were the enemy. Stupid society. But they missed fat so much that they're helping it make a comeback. Tallow from grass-fed cows has a ton of natural nourishing benefits. It contains heavy concentration of vitamins A, D, E, and K, which are all vital for skin health. FACO has body butters, lip balms, cleansers, even deodorants made from hydrating tallow that are infused with great-smelling essential oils. So, when you use our code, DDTT, you'll get 15% off on FACO.com. That's code DDTT at FACO.com. So how's your tablet? Uh it is broke. No, I think it just popped out of the case. <laughs> oh no. That's fine. What? Okay. Uh, so uh, short little game that we're gonna play. I am gonna put y'all to the test. Uh, so NRM, as we talked about, is a book about spies. Spies. And so you guys are going to be playing spies today. Ooh. So I'm gonna need your spy code names from each of you. Oh no. Okay. Um, all right, Zach, you go first. Okay. Was it like my agent name? Yeah, like Agent Blank. Okay. Just one word. One word. Uh, agent Poppy Seed. <laughs> I hate you listen to me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that's going to give the, the, uh, the yard a lot of confidence in, in you. The yard? <laughs> the yard. What, I got to go mow the grass? <laughs> All right. I was the Agent Poopy Seed. <laughs> Do it. All right, Charlotte, what is your agent's name? Oh, man. While Zach was speaking, I was thinking of what mine would be, and I wanted to say Agent Fig Newton. And then he said Poppy Seed, and then I got really distracted, and I didn't have any other thoughts after that. Oh, all right, Fig Newton it is. Oh. Well, at okay. least it's better than Ginger. <laughs> so I was going to do this a little differently when we were planning on, yeah, when we were planning on doing uh, this in, in person. Um, but just bear with me. Okay. Dead air. <laughs> okay. We're going to hear from uh, one of our old friends. You ready? Hello, agents. It's me, Sir Kenneth Brown. Welcome back from your leave. Good to have you back in the game. I do hope you enjoyed some rest and relaxation. I did. While the queen was reluctant to put you on this mission, as she still hasn't regained sight in her left eye and is still on an all-solids diet, I talked her into it. <laughs> Keep in mind, this session will be recorded for new agents and for our What Not Do seminar this spring. Here is your briefing. Agent Jimmy John Pretzels has been investigating an attack on Her Majesty the Queen. He believed a bomb was hidden somewhere in Buckingham Palace, and it could go off at any time. Pretzels has gone missing. We're not sure if he's been killed or kidnapped or just taken a few vacation days, 
because we did get a vacation request from him, something about going to Tulsa to see his aunt or something. We didn't approve it because, I mean, it's really, we know it's hard to work, but we're pretty lax about that sort of thing, but the timing is really bad. <laughs> anyway, he left these files in his hotel room, and everything you need to know is in this box for these files. It's going to be a box if we were in person, but, you know, <laughs> even, even the Secret Service is crippled by COVID, and we have to do everything over Zoom. Now, just in <laughs> case this recording has been intercepted and is in the wrong hands, I'm going to send you two, uh, one file each, and you'll work together. From those two files, you are going to get a four-digit pin. When you give me that pin, I will send you the real files, and then those files will be used to complete a third and final task. Are you ready, Agent Poppy Seed and Agent Big Newton? Yes. You are going to have 10 minutes to complete this. He said, quick little game, and then he gives us 10 minutes to solve the first part. <laughs> no, the whole thing. The, the whole thing is 10 minutes. Yeah. Whole time. I'm going to share with you each of your documents. It doesn't start until we get the documents right. Correct. <laughs> there was 10 minutes, including the technical difficulty. Then. <laughs> yeah. Now you have four minutes. <laughs> I feel like when you say, like, if you were just to be like, okay, um, this story is about Agent Poppy Seed and Agent Fig Newton, that it wouldn't be that Zach was Poppy Seed and I was Fig Newton. Like, it would be the other way around. Well, they just call me Agent So I, I'm sending you a file, but it has the reverse name on it by accident. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just got Agent Poppy. See, even you thought so. Yeah. Wow, man. I put my heart and soul into that name. All right. Once you guys both have your files open, work together to try to figure out the solution. Uh, Four digit pin. I'm gonna open it. And you ready, Charlotte? Huh? You have it open? Uh yes. And go. <laughs> Pretzel split the name with a lot of backwards letters. <laughs> so describe to each other what you okay. have. I have a math test. Um and I have uh questions 17 18 19 and 20 uh 17 18 19 are just like number equations and the last one is a um like a what is it called like a sent like a like a question that's written out okay uh, mine just has 17 and 18 okay so my 17 that's wait is that all you have for do you have those math problems with it or just the numbers 17 and 18 I, I think I have the I have a, a question on 17 and then I have a math problem on 18 that has the answer. What is what is your 18 math problem? Uh blank times blank blank equals 22. So I'm guessing that's two. Oh, I'm bad at math. Is that two times eleven? No, that's wrong. Is that right? Two times eleven does equal twenty-two. Okay, that's my guess. <laughs> okay. Well, mine, uh, so 17 is 5 times 3 equals 15. He got that one right. The next one is 5 times 4 equals 16. That one's not right. And then 5 times 5 equals 17. That's not right, I guess. And then the last question is, if Tommy has 22 imaginary friends and 17 of them die before lunch, how many egg rolls will it take to feed Uncle Walker? And his answer was, bruh. <laughs> Okay, well, I have uh, question seventeen. 
So um, and my number 17 question is how many of Tommy's friends are still alive? So read that again. If Tommy has 22 imaginary friends and 17 of them died before lunch, so 22 okay. minus 17 is five. Is five, yeah. So that should be your first number. But you want to read the rest of the word problem? How many egg rolls <laughs> will it take to feed Uncle Hamwater? <laughs> I, I, uh, 22? <laughs> I know you got five as the first number. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, and I put it on the top of your phone, please. Thank you. Okay. Um, next, or I guess we'll have to go through the other ones. Uh, so two of the questions he has here are wrong 18 and 19. Okay. Uh, mine says a uh, number 18, which is blank times blank equals 22. It's going to be great to listen to him. Oh, I give you 10 hours. <laughs> nice! <laughs> All right, so now you Strap have... in, everybody. I'm Strap gonna, in. say that was two minutes. I'll give you eight. You should have just given us 10 minutes again. You messed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> 10 hours. <laughs> mine says five times four equals 16. Okay. Which is wrong. Correct. Okay. Uh, so I don't know what the... What so maybe, maybe, maybe do the... <laughs> The numbers of the questions and see what we can figure out from the math problems themselves so five times four is 20 right and then years would be 22 yeah know, but it's years. it's got blanks which are two and 11 and then what's the other math problem <laughs> uh i've got five times five is 25 right but what did pretzel say? What did pretzel say? A pretzel said <laughs> 17. So is there any sort of pattern here we can work with? Well, yeah, it's plus one for all of the ones in mine. Because mine goes five times three is 15. That's correct. Then the next one he answered 16. And the next one he answered 17. And the next one he answered, bruh. <laughs> right. I think bruh is the key. Okay, so add one every time. I know that, so... What are your what are your questions? How many of Tommy's friends are still alive? Which is five. We got that. And then yeah. my next one is blank times blank equals twenty two. So if we're supposed to add one, should that be twenty three? <laughs> apparently not. I'm trying to watch Josh's Maybe. reactions. This is I don't understand. <laughs> I've know? lost two. <laughs> okay, so we've got. Let's see. We've got. <laughs> Five times three is 15. Yeah. Five times four is 16. Yeah. And five times five is 17. Well, if that's do, if that's pretzel's logic, then what would that, what would our next problem be? Five times seven? <laughs> no. No. What? Five times six. Five times six. Five times six. 18. Would be 18. 18. Right? Okay. And then I have 18. Oh, so we need to get to 22. Like this. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so we are five away. <laughs> right. So, five so times five times 10, six is what? Five times six would be 18. Five times okay. nine. 19, 20, That's four away. Four away. So, five times nine. Seven, five times eight. No, that one was five times six equals what? 18. <laughs> okay. So five times seven equals 19. Five times eight equals 20. Five times nine equals 
21 five, five times 10 times I said 10 the first time equals 22 so five five one zero exactly you got it oh George, you got it by george all right <laughs> Since I'm Zach really either disappointed or angry with that logic since I know now that you must be real agents, I'm going to send you the actual files. Thank you for oh, this pre-recorded that's helping us with the math <laughs> All right, Agent Fig Newton, I'm sending yours. Now, with these, I don't know if all of the information in the file is useful, so you'll have to use discretion. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. That's what Pretzel said. <laughs> Egg rolls. Okay. Here you go. You have four minutes. Oh my. And with this, you're going to find out another pin and that will get you through to the next challenge. <laughs> Notice of termination, you're fired. Reason, and then it's blank. <laughs> I have... Oh, this is a long thing. Uh... Fog hieroglyphics. I've got hieroglyphics too. Okay, I have a man walking in the fog. I have hieroglyphics. I have a uh, an official identification card scratched out, a pencil, and strawberries. Okay, I've got the notice of termination, hieroglyphics, a silhouette of a woman uh, labeled Heidi. Uh, four cucumbers and a picture of a bird. <laughs> so oh, I'm guessing that the hieroglyphics is the important part because that's the only thing that we share. Okay. So, Very clever, Agent Poppy Seed. <laughs> thank you. So I've got. Um, oh, they mean okay. They're letters of the alphabet. Are they? So you had a bird, right? Do you have a bird that yeah, matches up with either? Ah, uh, okay, okay. So I've got fog or like squiggly lines. I've got like a little flower guy. Maybe going too quick. <laughs> what? Where? Uh, okay. Oh. So you have the key to this. I am looking. Oh, 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 oh! I have. You don't have it. <laughs> yeah, I have the message. You have the key. Okay, I got you. Okay. <laughs> oh boy, this is a, a well-running machine. <laughs> I feel just like tuppence. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, tell, describe the first one again. Uh, squiggly line, like jaggedy. Okay. Got it. Then there's a space. Okay. Then I've got like a little curly flower thing. Now, now see, that's obnoxious because I've got that twice on here. Well, uh, only one of them will make a word. <laughs> okay, all right. So the next letter is no, like is like a like a like a really squat orange diamond that's two toned orange, or some would say orange on the outside, yellow on the inside. Oh, is it faced like this way? Like, could it look like an eye? Yeah, an yeah. eyeball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at this team. Okay. We've only got a minute. The queen, is just, yeah. the queen called. She decided to give you five more minutes. 
and she can't the, see out of her left eye. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> the queen says, I'm not worried about the ball. <laughs> okay, so, so what's the next word? That makes a word on its own. So what letter of the orchid would make a, a word with that next one? The little flower is squiggly. Uh, does it come up in like a crook and then have like two circles? Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're okay. right. Uh, so it's it's N dash O or U and then R. Why is there a dash? The space. N space O or U R. Nor N or M is probably the first thing. N or M, yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. So the owl is M, I would assume. Yes, it is. N or M. Now I've got what looks like some lettuce knives, some green (laughs) lettuce knives. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't wilt lettuce when you cut it. Yes. Uh, Excellent. Very well described. I have that. There are two of them side by side, right? Yes. And then there's a single one instead of a double one. Okay. Got it. And then the letter M, which I recognize as an owl. Okay. I don't know about that. Never mind. It is a different bird. (laughs) It is a different bird. (laughs) Is it? Yeah, I was going to say that's not making. (laughs) Agent Nutmeg. The queen queen wants to know how progress is going. It's great. Should she tell her dogs to leave? Yes. The queen is never actually at Buckingham Palace. She's probably somewhere else. It's fine. Pay attention. We ain't got that much time. Actually, our time is going up as we speak. (laughs) We have 10 hours. It's fine. Okay. Okay. So I have Y. What I have Y-E-A so far. So what's the next one? You have Y-E-A? Yes. And then another one of the eyeballs. Year. That's on. That's on a line below it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, R or year. <laughs> Could have just cut, cut off, maybe. Yeah, probably that one. Okay. I've got what looks like a can of refried beans. <laughs> <laughs> it is yellow, you know green, the, you yellow, know the green, ancient, yellow. In the ancient Egyptians, you know the pharaohs and their Mexican okay okay i've got that you've got it yeah i've got another one of the crook guys the what with a crook with the two like circles thing okay i called it it like an orchid i've got a leg (laughs) and foot okay i've got okay space okay refried beans (laughs) okay i have got a tiger and or sphinx. It's gonna be a lion, isn't it? Okay. I've got a lion and or sphinx. Oh. Okay. I've got another one of the crook circuit circular thingies. Okay. I have got what could be described as two very skinny guys fist bumping. <laughs> the way you describe things is never the way I would expect <laughs> you to. I'm trying to make this entertaining. <laughs> Okay, so it's like a line with like a little, uh, like. I see it. I see it. Yeah, you see the two guys fist bumping? Yes. Okay. Then we've got a half circle that is blue. (laughs) Yes, okay. We have got, in fact, a third 
bird. <laughs> this one is Yayo. Mark, three birds. It looks like a very tall chick. Like baby okay. chicken. Yep, it it's does. Very small wings. Have you seen tall girl? I've got it. Got yet again, another crooker dude. Another what? Little crook with the circle. A crooker dude. Okay. Crooker dude. <laughs> and that is all she wrote. Okay. Hmm. N or M, yeah. Year. A year. And then I none of the last bit of it makes sense. Am I supposed to yeah, unscramble like, it? Like, yeah, no, I would assume that it's words, but you gotta like to dissect the words. What does it say? Uh, so I've got P-O-B dash P-L-O-S-T-W-O. She's really bad at this. You uh, maybe, well, wasn't the crook maybe two letters? Uh, pub. So could represent either one of those letters. So you have N or M year. Pub. Yeah. Plus two. Yes. Oh! So, oh, it was, Ed or M was published in 1941. Right. Plus two is 1943. Exactly. You've got through. And we've done it in less than 10 minutes. Yes. All right. Now, the final step should be the easiest. I have found the bomb in Buckingham Palace. You should have the information to tell me which wires to pull in what order. Oh, no. A blue wire, a green wire, a red wire, and a yellow wire. So do you have two pictures that are red and yellow? Hold on. I have to go back to the thing. She already closed down the fog. The queen has spilled her tea. Okay, someone in the fog, uh, hieroglyphs. I have I a... Like oh, 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 the identification card is Jimmy John Pretzels. Okay. I have a minute and 10 seconds until the bomb goes off. I have yellow and red. I have a yellow pencil and red berries. How, where does it come up in order of your thing? Uh, so it's it's yellow scratched out card, then yellow pencil, then red. So I would say yellow, red, green, blue. Cut the wires. You want me to cut yellow first? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure. I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> If you want me to cut the yellow first, I want you to be sure. I am sure. Are you sure as well? It's just big noogie. We're <laughs> just playing with Kenneth Bronick's life. <laughs> Listen, that's all I can think, unless it's a different order. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I've got 25 seconds. This is our final answer. Yes! <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> our top news tonight, Kenneth Bronick. And the queen and the queen's two dogs are dead from a massive explosion. And it's Zach and Charlotte's fault. Agent Poppy Seed. <laughs> and Agent Big Newton. It's not so, our fault. Kim Bronner was being a real jerk. So <laughs> the key to, you did everything else correctly. Just the key to figure out which order was, in the mo- for the most case, the number of items in the image. So it was one blue bird. Oh. Three red strawberries and four of the cucumbers the only trickery thing was it was a number two pencil so it was blue oh that is tricky wow that would have taken a while something and we didn't have enough time to discuss any i know you were just like i think yellow kenneth (laughs) 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 
so much confidence. And then my next sentence was, I'm confident unless it's a different order. <laughs> As if you could try something else. I'll think it through better. Okay? I'm going to say, other than the bomb, <laughs> other than killing everybody, your teamwork was excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good job, agents. The that that was fun. I feel really bad about the dogs. Like that's the only thing that bugs yeah, me. Kenneth Branagh might have made another Poirot movie. Well, I Ken, you're a great guy, but I'm sorry. Wow, you guys are cold. But <laughs> I tried my best as Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, you, did okay. you did a good job and i like and now she can't reprimand me because she's so stinking dead and I, I, I intentionally put the hieroglyphics where i put them because i wanted to hear zach's well i wanted to hear zach's explanation of it but then i, I remembered me and charlotte trying to do that for your game and remember charlotte describing things to me and it almost came it almost burst zach's appendix <laughs> so. I, I loved Zach's descriptions. Like I, I want you to post a picture I of the hieroglyphs that you gave because like the, the two skinny guys fist bumping yeah. is the best thing ever. Josh was like, what? And you're like, I got it. No, <laughs> it, it made sense. It's just not what I, I ever would don't have thought, understand the refried beans thing. Like why that's a can of refried beans, but it's okay. Yellow and green looked very like like Mexican cuisine inspired. Like to me, it was like a okay. <laughs> I wish that oh. like you had had to describe every single one of them. <laughs> well, maybe next episode we'll we'll dedicate an hour for Zach just describing all of them. That's <laughs> oh boy. Oh well, I I still feel like uh like a winner, even though you are a winner. <laughs> the queen is dead. Well, that's not a complete failure. <laughs> well, you guys did a great job. Uh. This was fun. Uh, our, like I said, our next episode is going to be uh, Body in the Library. And thank you guys for listening. And do you have any final words? Uh, if you have a eulogy that you can give for Kenneth Branagh for a sec. Whoa, yes. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh was a man who wore a, a fake mustache for a movie that I saw once. <laughs> it, was, it was Josh said it was good. Josh didn't like it, but I didn't really care. I love you, Kenneth. <laughs>